0: So glad to see you guys here this morning. We are honoring our heroes. Last week, we took some time to honor our mothers. And if uh, if you're a mother, you're a hero. Uh, all of us know that goes without saying. Next week, we're going to honor our veterans. And so if you know a veteran, uh, we want to honor them next week. We're going to do a whole service around that idea. And we can't wait to celebrate uh, their service and their sacrifices uh, and even the family's sacrifices as we honor those heroes next week. Today, we're going to honor... Uh, a different kind of hero. We're honoring our graduates, and where the moms and vets are proven heroes. We're celebrating really uh, what's to come and what is about to happen in the lives of our students and our graduates, kind of looking ahead and projecting ahead in the heroic lives they're going to leave. And, and to speak some truth into that and to encourage them and also challenge them to live lives as heroes of the faith. And so we're glad that you're here to celebrate that with us this morning. It's also Senior Recognition Sunday, so I think it's the second service. We've got a couple seniors we're going to recognize and bless them and encourage them. It's a milestone, isn't it? I mean, we can all remember how goofy we were when we were 17, 18 years old and graduated high school, but it's a milestone moment, not only for the graduate, it's also for the family and friends that support those graduates, for the administrators and teachers that invest their lives into those uh, those students. Uh, it's even for the spiritual leaders that we have here at our church that have been investing in the lives of our students and watching them blossom in the, in the young people of God. And so we just want to celebrate all of them uh, today, all of you that are investing Into students like that, especially our graduates. And so, uh, as you, as, yeah, man, we got a couple uh, proud papas here. So, um, but as we think about uh, graduation, and if you're on the cusp of that, here's the question you're probably asking Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to go out into a world and live like as God intended to be successful, to to get where I want to go? Do I have what it takes? And probably mom and dad and teachers and administrators are probably asking the same question. Man, I hope they have what it takes to walk the path. God has laid out for them and not deviate from the path. So this morning, we're going to look at what does it take to stay on the path as a graduate and as a student to go into the life uh, God has for us. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, there's a beautiful coming-of-age story we're going to look at, a beautiful uh, handing of the baton from a mentor Elijah to his mentee his young student Elijah and there's this handing off and what you got to understand is this is a true story these were real people this isn't a fairy tale this is real life and and what we're going to see is there's supernatural things that are going to happen in this story and we just need to just uh, assume right out of the gate that the supernatural can and does happen that God is the God of miracles and that if God is real, then he, and the creator of the world uh, reigns and lives today, that he, the one who invented the rules of science, can interrupt, bend, or break the rules of science and do as he chooses fit and perform miracles. And students, let me just go off on a tangent here and say, you will have a professor likely someday or a coworker someday that will challenge the reality of the supernatural and miracles. And don't for a minute believe that they are right in assuming those can happen. Because if God is real, then miracles are real and the supernatural is real. There's a whole world, a whole realm outside of what we can see that is operating all around us. So. Uh, By the way, incidentally, I think this is important to know, sometimes when you look at the Bible, you think, well, God did all these miracles in, in the Bible times, and God's not doing miracles today. I would challenge that. But you need to understand, God had specific times in history where he did a lot of miracles and a lot of the miraculous. And so in the book of Exodus, as Moses led God's people out of captivity, there are all kinds of miracles like the parting of the Red Sea and a pillow of fire and all this uh, manna from heaven. And as God was giving the law, he, he allowed miracles to happen to say, hey, this law is for me. And then you need to read in the Gospels, and you see Jesus doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And you go, wow, man, God was just doing all kinds of cool stuff, healing people and, and creating food out of basically nothing. And it was to say, this is my son. God says, I wanted to, to announce my son with miracles so that everyone know that he was from me. Well, the other time, the third time that we see a lot of miracles happening in the scriptures is in this time that we're about to read about. It is when Elijah and Elijah were around, and they were the first prophets. You read most of your Old Testament. It's book after book of prophet. where these were the first prophets. And when God announced them with miracles, he was saying, you need to listen to the men that I'm calling to prophesy. They are from me. You should listen to them. And he announced it with miracles. Now, let's pick up the story. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, that sounds interesting, uh, Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elijah, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elijah and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Jericho. Now what's interesting about this path that they're on, this, this yellow brick road that they're going down is this. The, the path that they trace from, um, from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho is exactly the opposite order that the people of Israel, when they came into the land under the leadership of Joshua, and they took the promised land as God commanded them. This is exactly the order they came in, exactly opposite order. And as God calls these prophets to walk the road from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho, it's as if he's saying, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember the history that is along this path. I want you to remember the faithfulness I demonstrated to your forefathers, the faithfulness that I had in bringing you out of slavery and bringing you into this beautiful land and making it your own possession. Remember how I conquered people for you, and I made a way for you, and I gave you cities that you did not build. I am the faithful one, and I want you to remember me as such. Graduates students, if you're to walk the road that God has for you, if you're to stay on the path he has for you, the first thing I can tell you is you need to remember. You need to remember uh, a great many things. You need to remember the lessons and the values and the principles and the teachings that you've learned growing up, the moral lessons that were passed on to you. You need to remember the teachings you got in school. You need to remember uh, where you came from and your name and that you're representing more than yourself as a graduate and as a student in this world. But mostly you need to remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the faithfulness of God. If you and I are to stay on the path God has for your life and mine, we remember his faithfulness. We remember that we were once sinners, as Kyle talked about, and yet God's grace intervened, and Jesus Christ and his beauty and his sacrifice became meaningful to us. And if this is your story, that you put your faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ, and he was faithful to forgive you and redeem you and live in you and to give you a home in heaven. And we remember his faithfulness. We remember that there were trials along the way and bumps in the road, and yet somehow you're here today, and God has delivered you and seen you through the trials and the perils of life, and that he has been faithful. And so my challenge for you is, is to stay on the path that God has for you, and in doing so, you must remember his faithfulness in, his, in the past. Now, I want to explain the significance of a few of these cities. Gilgal, where they started out, this was a a, a cool place. It is the spot when Joshua and the Israelites conquered the land of Israel, that when that that first phase was over, they all stood in a valley. And Joshua was standing up on the side of the mountain, and he read all five of the books of the law. To the people of Israel and the men and the women and the children stood at attention and listened to him read the first five books of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I've already lost some of you just naming them. (laughs) And yet they stood at attention listening to the word of God that they would know and they would remember who it was that had delivered them and brought them into such a beautiful place. And then they went to Bethel. And Bethel is a beautiful place where Abraham first built an altar to God. When when God had just promised him, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and all nations of the world will be blessed through you, prophesying ahead of time that Jesus would come and could bless all people. Then he built an altar of worship to God at Bethel. It's also the place where Jacob wrestled with God and then built an altar. So it's a beautiful spot Bethel is. It's actually called, it's the name of the house of God. It's a place of personal encounter with the living God. And so more than anything else, students, graduates, people here today, the church, we remember the spiritual markers in our life where God has spoken and where we've responded to the invitation of God into a personal relationship with him. And when God spoke truth into your life and hope into your life and peace into your life, we make markers of those. We build altars in our life and we remember the faithfulness of God, that he was true and he is good. Now, what's sad about this story is they were walking back the road from these different cities. They were stopping in these towns of high spiritual significance. And yet what those places had become, Gilgal and Bethel had become places of false religion and false worship of God. That the prophets had now, and the the worshipers of God had now mixed pagan religion in with the worship of the one true God, and they were blending in all these other religions. And as they walked back through these towns, they had to remember the, the spiritual significance of those and also the tainted reality of where they were. What does that say to us? That we can walk the same road of life, the same job, the same spouse the same place that we live, the same home, and yet we can either be on the path of God or we could be far from the path of God in our lives. They were literally walking where God's name had been lifted up and made great and where God's name was being shamed. Two different, same road, two totally different outcomes. And it's true for us. And here's your first point I want us to make. The life path The life path that God has for us can bring God great glory or great grief. The path that he has before you students and graduates and all of us, we have the choice to either make those places that we reside and where we live and the relationships we operate in either places where God's name gets great glory or that we cause him great grief. And the choices that we, ma- that we make that determine whether that road is full of glory or grief is not so much uh, where we live, but what we live for. Not where we live, not what home it is, not what city it is, but what are we living for? And it's not so much about our vocation, but more about our inspiration, See, God, whatever path He has for your life in a job and a spouse and a career and all that and a college and all the choices you have before you, that same path can be filled with glory or grief depending on our choices. So, my challenge for you is to stay on the road and make choices that really matter. Remember the goodness and the glory of God today. Let's keep reading. Our story continues. And in verse 5, it says this. The company of the prophets at Jericho, this was their uh, third stop, they went up to Elisha and they asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. So here's this question again. You remember they already asked him that one time, and Elisha, they keep running up to Elijah and they're bugging him and saying, hey, man, do you know that God's about to do this thing, and Elijah's leaving us, do you know, do you know? And if you're a graduate, you've probably had a lot of those moments lately where people are running up to you and go, have you figured out where you're going to school? Do you know what your major is yet? Do you know what your career is going to be? Do you know where you're going to live? You're like, yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know. Right? That's rain. (laughs) And if you're a graduate, just understand… That every time someone asks you a question like that, if you're a junior, if you're an upperclassman, you're starting to wrestle with these decisions, understand when people ask you those questions, they want the best for you. They just want the best for you. And that's what I believe these prophets wanted for Elijah. Do you know that the time is running short? And Elijah's just like, y'all need to hush. Y'all need to be quiet. You see how he shut them down every time? And it's because he's like saying, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to dwell on what might come. I don't want to dwell on what's about to happen. I want to be in the moment in my life right now. And I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do today. And if I have any encouragement for young people in this room today, or any of you looking for a second chance, is don't dwell on what God might do someday. Dwell on what God wants to do in your life today. Turn out all the noise and just focus in on what God is doing in the moment that he wants the best for you today. Let's keep reading. Verse 6 says this. Then Elijah said to them, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And And he replied, this is Elijah, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. So so over and over again, Elijah's trying to get Elisha just to stop, to pull up and let him go on the journey alone. And Elijah, like I just mentioned before, he will have none of it. Elisha wants to squeeze every single moment out of this relationship he can. He doesn't want to miss the opportunity to learn from his mentor. To learn from the seasoned leader in his life, the one who's walked this path, has, has been faithful in this path, and has come to the end of the road. And he's about to go to the Emerald City. He's about to meet Oz. He's about to meet his maker. And he wants to squeeze every bit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding from this man that he can And so graduate, students, I don't care if you're elementary, middle school, high school, embrace the fact that you can listen and learn from those who have walked the path before you. I want to challenge you as students to talk to people that have some wisdom under their belt. Your student leader, teachers, uh, your parents, your guardians, people in your life that God has placed there. And they are an Elijah to you and they have walked the road that you're about to walk. And you can glean from them so much wisdom. I will challenge you to ask them for advice. Not which socks go best with these shirts so much, but the things that really matter in life. Ask them about relationships. Ask them how to be successful financially. Ask them how you can make the most out of your life. What's most important in life? What are uh, mistakes that I should avoid that you ended up making. And you can glean so much wisdom from those who have walked ahead of you. Most of all, seek God's counsel. Seek God's counsel in your life. I'm going to read from Proverbs. We're going to take a break from our story a second. And from Proverbs chapter one, gives us so much wisdom on what we should be looking for in the people that have walked the road ahead of us. And it says this in verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What he's saying here is that if you're going to live a life that is on the path that God has for you, it begins with a knowledge and understanding that we are to live in a healthy fear of God, in awe of Him, in respect of Him. Of Him, living our lives that we want to be worthy of the calling that He's placed. And that is the beginning point. That is the foundation of all of life that you and I would learn what it means to fear God and obey Him, that that would be our one great desire in our lives. That's what will get you far in life. That is the foundation for good living. That's the foundation for staying on the road that God has for you. Better than any textbook is God's book. I know you don't know what a textbook is anymore. (laughs) My kids don't bring them home anymore. I don't think they buy them anymore. But back in the day, you used to study a textbook to learn about a subject. Can I tell you that this is the textbook of life, that God has instruction waiting for you. He longs to impart his wisdom to us, that we would get deep into the knowledge of God and obey him with our lives. It continues and says not only to fear the Lord, but then he says, "Listen, I love this part. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Huh? Huh? You believe me? I've read this one to my kids a couple times. <laughs> Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head, and a chain to adorn." Your neck. He's saying there is so much good stuff in the wisdom that a guardian and a parent and a teacher and a friend that has been down the road can impart to you. Listen to them. Listen to the words of God that you might gain a heart of wisdom. And I want you to realize there's three different pieces to this walking the path and what we're to seek after. And the first was knowledge. Makes me think of the video. This is for all the middle schoolers. You know what's better than material things? Knowledge. Didn't y'all know that YouTube video? All right, that was for my son. (laughs) Knowledge. (laughs) Knowledge. It's the word da'ath, da'ath in the Hebrew. It's knowing facts, learning, uh, learning uh, knowledge. It's 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 about gaining facts and and uh, and, uh, insight. And can I tell you guys? The challenge is not when you graduate school to stop learning, that you think you know what you need to know. That the challenge is to gain knowledge the entire time we live, that we are to be lifelong learners as students. We are just at the cusp. You are just at the beginning of all that you can know and learn. And God's desire is that you would be a lifelong learner to keep pursuing knowledge. There's books to read. There's experiences to have. There's people to talk to. And through that, you and I can gain knowledge that we don't have. And we have to start by saying, I don't know everything I need to know. But if I will commit to living a life of learning, God will have great things in store for me. So get knowledge. Get da'ath. Find wisdom. That's the second thing. He says, not only knowledge, but a full scorn's wisdom. So God wants us to be wise. And the Hebrew word there is hachma. Say that with me, hachma. If you ever have something in your throat and you need to clear it, say hachma. You're welcome, okay? Hachma, that's a great Hebrew word, isn't it? Hakma is wisdom, it is skills, it is applying what you know. It's about taking what you've learned and then applying it to your life. Wisdom goes far beyond book smarts. It's about God-honoring common sense and good sense. It's about making good decisions. Now, some of you know this. Some of you, I'm going to let a secret out of the bag. I graduated from the Institute of Higher Learning called Georgia Tech. (laughs) That's what I thought. Okay. (laughs) You all were nicer than I thought you'd be. But uh, I went to school there, and I found out very quickly I was not one of the smarter people there. And I was struggling to get my grades and work hard. And so I, I, I found out that the smartest people there didn't always end up graduating there. I saw lots and lots of smart gals and guys, way smarter than I was, drop out, fall out, flunk out of that school. And the reason that they flunked out of the school was because they did not have wisdom. They did not apply themselves. They had not learned how to study correctly. They did not network with other students, and if they didn't understand something, learn to ask the right questions. They didn't build those habits into their lives. Sometimes they were just lazy. I had a roommate one summer. We had one roommate move away for the summer, so we brought in a wild card. We didn't know how that was going to work out, and he only stayed those couple months because he had to go Every morning in his summer classes, the alarm would go off from about 8.30 to 11. You with me? And we finally had a stage of coup and go in there and bust his alarm clock. All summer long, he slept through his classes. And I pray to God he didn't end up with a degree from Georgia Tech. <laughs> I don't know the end of that story. And then as my, my fifth year, my second senior year, I was a resident assistant at Georgia Tech, and I was in charge of about 20 freshman guys in a freshman dorm. And they were smart kids, and they were uh, way smarter than I was. But I watched a group of them get into gaming, and the Internet wasn't around. You're like, all the students are like, how old are you? The internet wasn't around, but the intranet where you could log on and connect with other students at Georgia Tech. And they would play each other on the intranet all night long. And then in the morning, they would be sleeping through their classes. And I can still remember these guys packing up their stuff and having to go home after the first semester at Tech because they were not wise and they squandered the opportunity they had. They squandered the knowledge they had, and we had to, through tears, pack their boxes and send them home. Students, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Be wise. Make the right choice and the right decisions. Thirdly, he says, get instruction. Get instruction. Musar is the Hebrew word. Musar. Instruction is discipline or correction discipline or correction, and what it is speaking of is the lessons that life will teach you along the way. These are the lessons you cannot learn in a classroom, but you'll have to learn as life brings them to you. And as you're going along the road and you face an obstacle or something is overwhelming or you get off the path, you and I have a choice. We can either learn from that experience and get back on the road. Or we can choose to stay off the path. And when you and I step back onto the road, we have just gained instruction. We have learned from life's lesson. And my challenge will be to you this morning is that you never have to learn the same lesson and of instruction twice. Don't have to learn it twice. When God brings those opportunities in your life, step into those moments and learn instruction from God. I challenge you to get knowledge, gain wisdom, learn instruction. These are the things that will make you successful in life. You see, there's something that our culture values more than any of those things, and I think it's a false teaching. Our culture values talent above everything else. It values talent above everything else. Can I tell you that talent will fail you over and over again on itself? If you don't gain knowledge and wisdom and instruction, talent on its own will fall short. The most wasted natural resource in our country is talent. Because if it's not coupled with these other things, it is wasted. See, talent can tease you. This is my little rhyme. But wisdom will lead you. Talent will tease you. It'll keep you thinking that greater things are coming and more can happen for you. But if you don't couple it with wisdom, you will find yourself off the path so learn from life's lessons don't repeat them twice parents teachers guardians mentors the students the young people in your life they need you to gain, they need you to teach them more than just knowledge they need your wisdom They need to make sense of this life, and they need you to show them what wisdom looks like. Be a great example of decision-making, but also help them process and learn how to think about the critical issues of life. Help them learn when they make a mistake, talking through, and how could you do it differently, and what next time could you do instead of that, and you teach them wisdom as you help them walk through life, Just like Elijah and Elijah. He, the, the mentor leading the mentee and leading his student along the path. Let's keep reading our story. Verse 7 says this. So they get to Jericho. And then it says, The fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elijah had stopped at the Jordan. The Jordan River is uh, the, the line of demarcation here for the promised land. Elijah took his cloak. This is where it gets supernatural and crazy and God cool. It says he took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it, and the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. How cool is that? And just like the people of Israel had entered the promised land at Jericho on dry ground as as Joshua led them, so now these two prophets are walking on dry ground. It's supernatural, and and, and I want you to know this is the big moment. This is where Elijah and Elijah and the baton is passed from one to the other. And I want you to see your role in every person of coming of age. You, you might have the role of a prophet where you're standing 50 feet away. You may not be really up close and personal, but you have a role to play at a distance, cheering on the next generation, cheering on those that are younger than you, cheering on the people that are trying to get where you're at, and you encourage and challenge and cheer them on from a distance. And you may be one of the prophets in the people's lives all around you, and God would say, cheer loud. Or you may be Elijah. You may have a young person looking up to you right now. And they're wondering, do I have what it takes? Can I make it? Who's going to help me get there? And you get to be the Elijah in young people's lives and take them by the hand and walk through on dry ground and proclaim the faithfulness of God in your life is the same way God will be faithful in their life. So, this big moment happens, just like the big moment of graduation and coming of age. And I love the question Elijah asked Elijah. Look at this, verse 9, just the beginning of it, it says this When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, They're all alone, just the two of them. And he says, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? That's a great question. He's saying, "What is it that you want from me? What is it uh, that you want out of life?" Where, what is the most burning passion and desire of your heart?" Now if you're a graduate or you're a student, the obvious things, the obvious answers are in front of you, "Man, I want to graduate. Maybe I'll get a graduation envelope with some cash in it. That'd be awesome. Um, I would love to have a job or an education or a career. I'd love to start a family someday. Uh, I want to have someone to share my life with. All those things are before you, and those are good things. But hear me loud and clear. Sometimes the good desires of our life get in the way of the best desires that God has for our life. And what Elijah asked for is not all those things. To illustrate, I want to tell you this story from the columnist, Dear Abby. She's writing about a true story, and it's about this family, and this son was graduating. And they were a wealthy family, and they lived in a wealthy part of town. And so this this graduate's friends, they were getting cars, and their parents were buying them cars. That was just kind of the thing. That was the way people rolled. and, And so he was expecting that. In fact, his dad would take him, and for months and months, they were going, and they were looking at cars together. And they finally found the perfect one. And so he's eagerly anticipating that good gift from his father. And when graduation day rolls around, they have this ceremony and they come home. And his father hands him a, a small package. He opens it up to find a Bible. A Bible. Not a set of keys. No car. And tragically, the student gets furious and he storms out of of the home and he goes off to school and he doesn't return letters and he doesn't return calls and he alienates himself from his parents and he he distances himself. He was so hurt by the, the tragic setup that he had felt that they had played in his life that he had been betrayed by them. And then, sometime later, his parents passed, they were gone. And he finally comes home to settle the estate. And as he's going through the things uh, that, that were left, he found that old Bible. And he dusted it off. And he began to page through the Bible. And in one of the pages, he finds a cashier's check dated the same day of his graduation for the exact amount of the card that they had picked out together. And he realized his folly. See, he had wanted something good from his father, but in doing so, he'd missed out on what was best that his his father wanted to give him. Graduates and students in this next generation, don't settle for the good things that you can have in life when God has the best things in store for your life. He wants so much more. We think What we think is success isn't success at all. And in fact, it's not what Elijah asked for. Look at what Elijah asked for. He says, What can I do for you before I'm taken? He says, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Now understand, he's not asking to be greater than Elijah. That's not what he's saying at all. In Deuteronomy 24, it's decreed that a a firstborn son, if there's multiple sons, that the oldest son gets a double portion of the inheritance and all the other sons get a single inheritance. And what he's asking for is not that he would be greater than his mentor, but that the same God that lived in Elijah would live in him. That the same power that rested in the life of Elijah would rest in him, that he would not pursue the things that this world had to offer, but that he would pursue the God of heaven himself, that he wasn't so much interested in what God could provide for him and do for him, but that he wanted more of God in him. And that's my final statement. Success, student, graduate, young person, old person, success is not how much God gives you. Listen to me clear, because our culture wants to tell you it is. Success is not how much God gives you, but how much of God is in you. That is what success is in this life. That God longs to see a generation that would make this their cry. God, I want a double portion for you. I don't need big fancy things. I don't have to be success in the world's eyes. I want to be a success in your eyes. I want to live for the things of God. I want a double portion of his spirit that I would not chase after anything but a relationship with a heavenly father who loves me. If that's your declaration this morning, if you feel like God is calling you to ask for this crazy thing of a double portion of His Spirit, that you want to be about what God can do in your life and that His power would reside in your life, we're going to do a song in just a second. And I want to make this stage an altar today. And I'm going to ask if you want to come and ask God to give you a double portion of His Spirit, I believe there's a generation coming this next generation perhaps, that they would come and see God's face more than any generation that we've seen in this country. And they would ask God for a double portion of his spirit that they might live for the things of God. And we would see revival happen in our midst. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, that is what life is all about. God, that is what you desire for each one of us, that we would know what it means to have a relationship with you. And we wouldn't just settle for a relationship with you, that we would be hungry for more of you. God, that we would be a people that long to set aside the success and values of this world, that we might be successful in knowing you and having your power to reside within us. God, I believe that in this place, you want to stir the hearts of your people for just that. And God, if there's someone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you, and before they can have a double portion of your spirit and just be sold out for you, and know what it means to walk on the path you have for their life, they've got to enter into that relationship. And so, Father, this morning, if that's anyone in this room needs that relationship, Maybe you've doubted in the past. Maybe you've questioned the goodness of God. And those paths have brought you to a place of emptiness. And you don't know why you're here. And you're tired of wondering why. And you're ready to step into a relationship with a heavenly Father who loves you perfectly. And is willing to forgive you freely because of what his son did in your place, and you're willing to place your faith in Jesus Christ as the savior, the forgiver, and the leader of your life, believing him for a relationship with God, would you tell him that this morning? Say, Jesus, I wanna enter in. I want you in my life. I wanna know the forgiveness the love and the hope that you offer. And so I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. I want you to lead my life. Now we're not gonna do the hand raising thing, but if that was your prayer this morning, as others come down to pray at the altar, I want you to come down and pray with me or another leader at the front or the back, we'll be in both places, and you pray and you tell us of the decision you made, that you said yes to Jesus Christ today. And God, I pray for this next generation and for all of us who'd be willing to bow our knees to the God of heaven and declare unashamedly, I don't want the things of this world, I want you. I want a double portion of your spirit. I want to know what it is to walk with you in power and love and self-discipline. I want to walk the path of wisdom, knowledge, and instruction. I I want to remember the faithfulness of my God And I'm going to ask for you to move in my life that I'm solely yours. God, this altar is now open for you to work and move. We pray that you'd respond in Jesus' name. Amen.